Well, my people asked his uh, crew, without blinking an eye, he came here, and trust me, we're all industry individuals. It wasn't about what's in it for me, what I'm going to get. Um, very, very solid guy, so I respect the fact that he's here, and he didn't want anything from me. So thank you for being here, thank you for being with my family. Thanks for having I want to get into a couple of things, and then we're going to open up a Q&A. And what I want to know, first of all, this is my Rise and Grind series. And I don't want to talk about low, uh, not low, but things that startups need to know, because the whole concept of Blueprint and Co. is you already have the blueprint of business. You already know the fundamentals. You need now to move forward. And my last book, which was Rise and Grind, was about, uh, not, my last book, which was, excuse me, which was The Power Broke, was use the assets which are in front of you. And I know that Gary believes in the same thing. But today I want to talk about the methods that successful people have that they do every single day. When you were growing up, did you have a rise and grind mentality? Um, when I was growing up, there was a lot of interesting things going on with me, which is I was an immigrant and education was the way out for immigrants, probably still today, but extremely. Entrepreneurship is new cool. It's an American thing. But if you were an entrepreneur in the 80s and 90s, if you said that word, that means you were a, you were a loser with an idea, right? Like I, I, you know, and so I was in a very weird place. My whole world outside of my parents were telling me that I was a loser. My teachers were telling me I was a loser. My friends' parents were telling me I was a loser because I was getting D's and F's. And the only way you were scored as a child at all, there was no, you know, I never understood how in eighth grade I'm making $3,000 a weekend and, and I'm a loser because I have D's in science. So I think, you know, when people ask me like struggles or things of that nature, my narrative for most of my life, probably from like eight years old to, to 16, 17, 18, was I was positioned as I would not be successful because I wasn't going to go to Harvard. Yeah. Yeah, I got left back and I never saw anybody. The entrepreneur, the only entrepreneur I saw that looked like me on TV was. Reggie Sanford, the junk man. Like <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wasn't even a conversation. Like, I, it's. I wish, you know. You know, first of all, I, I don't truly wish. I envy nothing. But it would have been really cool to be growing up me during this era, right? Like, it would have been really fun. First of all, my parents and I always joke that I would never have graduated high school ever. If eBay came out a decade early, I would have sold my entire family, let alone everything in the house. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, look, I think we, everybody deals with stuff. You know, I, uh, I, uh, I love competition, right? I love competition, so I think that's really saved me. Like, even when I don't have adversity, I fabricate it. As a matter of fact, I secretly, secretly think that I've held back my financial upside because I love the process so much. I genuinely know that I could be more wealthy and like sometimes think back to the last 10 years of some of the decisions I'm making. I prefer the hard way. Do you like the process because Because it's you, my oxygen. Yeah. The process is my you oxygen. Do you feel that people cheat you if you go and you give and you, you hire them for the process and you don't know it? Because no. I always feel like somebody's gonna hold me hostage in my business if I don't know that process. Yeah, I don't even think about other people. <laughs> I'm being dead serious. Like it's unbelievable how much zero outside influence hits me, right? And so like Instagram's really interesting to me right now because it's an important platform, I'm spending a lot of time on it, but it's probably the most motivational version of myself, right? I only have a minute for video and I can only do quotes and pictures and so I'm fascinated by that's where my growth is right now, yet it's such a 
single sliver of who I actually am. It's just one piece of who I actually am. Uh, but when, I, and the reason I bring that up is it's hard to explain, that's why this is fun. We can like sit here and really get deep into this stuff in detail. I don't think about outside forces. So when I say things in a one minute video of like who gives a shit if it's who the president is, one way left, right, I don't care. That's one version of me talking about this. I'm not worried about anybody else. So what was it during your coming up, your rising and grind, what did you do methodically every single day? Tell me what you did when you were 15, your first 90 minutes, when you got up in your last 90 minutes, to what you did today. Has it changed? Because you, you always got educated somewhere, so you, you cared about the what somebody was sharing because you could absorb yeah, it the, one way or another. So the one consistent in my life I still have nightmares. This is actually something I've never said. I used to have nightmares and it was a very reoccurring nightmare for me. It was that my family and I were going back to Belarus on a plane and the plane would crash. And every time, different people from my family, usually one to three people, would survive. It was very dark and like probably in modern parenting, like my parents would be forced to send me somewhere to like check out what was wrong with me. But it was consistent. I would tell you I had that dream 50 times. 50 times between second and seventh grade, I dreamt that my family had a a flight crash and one or two of them would survive and we'd walk through snow and it was very, you know, weird. The reason I tell you that story and the reason you, you asked the question in an interesting way, 15 and now, the only consistent in my life has been perspective and gratitude. It's the only consistent in my life. Why I'm saying perspective and gratitude. Every morning I wake up and I make pretend that's, that my mother or children or wife die. Every day. Every day, I did it today. I quickly flash in my mind what it would feel like, because I'm very in tune with myself, if my son Xander, who's four years old, got hit by a car, like crossing the street. I promise you, if you're in touch with your feelings and you can trick yourself to feel it, even right now I felt it a little bit and it really fucking hurts, like, Nothing else matters. I'm completely driven by gratitude. I keep things in very simple perspective. I went up with a very lovely lady in the elevator. She goes, do you know how many people you inspire? I go, I sure do. I'm thrilled and very in tune with my ego. I'm also very thrilled and in tune with my humility. I think I'm the best and I think that if I disappear tomorrow, nobody really gives a shit. And so that yin and yang <laughs> is very important to me and so what I do consistently and have for 30 years now is I keep things in perspective. This, is, this feels real nice, admiration, fam, selfies, but I don't know, I'm just, I've got it very, calc- I understand what it is. Everybody in this room, they probably were like you and I when we were focused on our career and getting there. You know, Mark Cuban's funny when he said a girlfriend said it was me or the business and he said, what's your name again? <laughs> so, you know, we all got to that point, right, in our lives. At what point did you get to the point where you said, okay, now I have to flip the 80-20 and now I have to go and start being with my family and I have to make sure I put that time in and I have to, because you probably had a healthy paranoia like me, like, listen, I've done so much to get here. I, I have to stay. And before you know it, your life can go like that, right? Blank. And now I know it's extremely important to go home with your family. I have a new 11-month-old, and I know you, you have a, a young, young baby at home. At what point in your life did you say, wait a minute, let me find a healthy balance? Or, or did it start from the beginning? I haven't. Your... Yeah. 
I'm gonna tell you guys the truth, I haven't. Meaning, I run them in parallel. I'm not crippled by the current political correctness of parenting. You're looking at a kid who didn't see his dad until he was 14 years old and we have the greatest relationship of all time and I love him and he slept home every single night but I never saw him once. That doesn't mean my workaholic nature will work for me and my kids. I don't take that for granted. I, I think that you need to know how to breathe. I know what makes me breathe. My family makes me breathe. But I've gotta do what I wanna do. Like I have to, I'll just break. And so I, I think of it as in, in extremes. The reason I answered I don't is I don't think you find balance in any way other than your own balance. And I think that over communication with your partner and the variables in that relationship are the key. Right now I have that conversation with my wife. In coming years I'll have those conversations with my kids. But for me, I'm very concerned about people posturing to work-life balance when I know that work-life balance is extremely individual. Everybody in here has different work-life balance. You also have different work-life balance at different times in your life. I didn't have as much work-life balance as some other people the last five years, but it now also allows me to afford to have work-life balance with my children and my family in a very different way as my daughter Misha is now seven and she can go on business trips with me. The only conversation I had to have was with my wife saying, school's bullshit, be okay with me taking Misha out of school for two days. She might miss what a science test, but she'll always remember going with daddy to Anaheim. He gave a talk and then we went to Disneyland for the day, right? So I think that um, my answer to that is I haven't. I work on it every day. I communicate it with my wife often. Do you work on it internally? Because see, I, internally. I wanna know, what, what do you do because I have 10 goals. I read this the first time I ever read this in Think and Grow Rich when I was 16 years old. I goal set and every single night, five nights of the week, I read 10 goals at night before I go to bed because I want to dream about those and I read the same 10 goals in the morning when I wake up. Does that work? Because when I was like in high school, I used to try to dream about hooking up with chicks but then it would switch quickly to some other shit. Well, my six goals, my six goals are about health, faith, and religion. In other cases, they expire in six months and then I have three other goals, five years, 10 years, 20 years. Do you have any kind of method like no. that? As you say, you're working on it. I'm the most binary dude you'll meet. I love the journey. I wish health and happiness, like health for my family is like, like big. I feel I, you know, you guys have known me and I've known myself through a very lucky period which has been my entire life which is, you know, three of my four grandparents died before I was born or one died right after so I never knew them. Um, we have a very small family, right? I have three cousins, you know, so um, I just haven't dealt with a whole lot of death. Like, you know, I think when I have to deal with death in my inner circle, I'm curious how I'm gonna play it out, but I, uh, I'm really binary. Like, I love the process more than the riches and the fames. I have that goal to buy the New York Jets. That makes it fun, that's a big goal. It'll take me some time to do that. When people ask me, when are you gonna buy the Jets? And I always say 25 years from now, they're disappointed, I'm pumped. <laughs> I've always found that fact, it's amazing to me. Like, like they're like literally disappointed. I'm like, I'm like, it's $3 billion, I have work to do. Um, uh, but yeah, man, Damon, I'll, I'll tell you, like, I, uh, I want legacy. I think the reason I'm liked is because I'll reply to somebody who says they're on the way here to see me talk on Twitter and reply to her. Like, like I, I've, I'm playing a different game. I, uh, Tyler is filming today's Daily V. He had, I met with a former employee and he flat out like broke the wall and he was like, dude, I just have to ask you like, why did you take that meeting? It's a former employee, one that you fired, 
One that came to tell you that they were sorry for not getting it. She pitched you stuff. You didn't get anything out of it. Like I think the way you put it was, you could have used that time to make money or something or do business. And and I said, he said, why'd you do that? And I said, because making money isn't the only thing that interests me. If you want crappy meetings, you gotta come on Shark Tank with me. (laughs) (laughs) So you up at night, Gary. And I'm not talking about the help. We established that already. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Because everything else, I'm in control. In business, I'm a beast. Like, I will always be successful in business. I was from six years old, and I am now. Like, some people are pretty. Some people can, are athletic. Some people are, you know, whatever. I'm a fucking ninja at business. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am, I know how to make money. So what, what, are, what are the productive tools that you emphasize, and I know that hard work is by far. Yeah, the well, it's the most controllable. Like you're not, you know, like it feels so controllable to me. When somebody complains, so people get my message confused. They're like, you're always talking about hustle, where's life? Where's I'm like, no, 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 no. If you're 100% happy like I am, then I got no advice for you. You figured it out. But you know who, what, who talks to me, you know who cries to me. I want my business to be bigger. I want to make more money. Like that's what they're talking to me about. So if, you know, when my rich friends complain to me about not spending enough time with their family, they're really easy to give advice to too. Spend more time with your family. <laughs> this shit is binary. We complicate it. Yeah. So to me, there, I'm telling you the truth. Like one thing I've been thinking about a lot lately, it's funny that you brought this up. Literally last night, I took me like a little bit longer to fall asleep than normal because I was on a high. I, took a, I flew to San Francisco, took a one hour meeting and then flew back. Uh, I thought that was funny and interesting and I enjoyed the commuting to San Francisco and it took me an extra 30 minutes to fall asleep and it made me realize, oh my God, I fall directly to sleep every night. Every night. Which I think speaks to peace. Like, you know, like I go to, I mean 360 days a year, I fall dead asleep within seconds. You can walk into my house, rob the shit out of me because I'm sleeping. You know, we, we all have these fundamentals of business that got us someplace and I, and I think that I drifted away from it at certain points and many of us do when we get to a certain level of being comfortable and happy. Is there any fundamentals that you revisited because you lost them at certain points where you thought they weren't necessary? I lost my hustle and I don't talk about this that often either but I've thrown it out for a few minutes around 29, I got more, there was a six to nine month period where clearly to me I was complacent. Um, I just got married. You know, and so that was a new variable. Yeah, I just remember my 30th birthday, literally my 30th birthday, I was driving to the store, I looked myself in the rear view mirror and I said, you're full of shit. Your mouth is ahead of your actions. You ain't buying the jets, you're not gonna buy a jet, you can't buy a jet airplane. Like, get your shit together. And that's literally when I decided to start Wine Library TV and go into the Web 2.0 thing. Um, and so, I revisited my hustle at, on my 30th birthday and I've never worked harder since and it's been compounded. The moment I, I'm working harder right this second than I ever have in my entire life. That's why I started Daily V. Just wanted to put all of you on notice. Like, you're not working as hard as I am. I, and I wanted to do that because people think they're putting in enough work. They're just not. I was just having hundreds of conversations where people thought they were working hard enough for their ambition. That's the key. Like, if your ambition you know, th- your ambition dictates what you have to do. And I'm happy when people have ambitions that allow them to work 40 hours a week and they're thrilled. 
I just want as many people to fall asleep at night the way I do. And I, and I think the only way you really do that is you have a real conversation because everybody's bullshitting themselves. Putting that you're a CEO in your Instagram profile doesn't mean that you're a successful entrepreneur. It means you're trying to be one. Let's talk about some CEOs and some innovation. You know, many people in this room are public speakers, they advise people. We go around the world, we speak to people. I notice, I don't know about you, but half the time they want me to talk to their staffs or anything else, it's about innovation, thinking outside the box, how do you get people within their corporation to be motivated? You find that the same thing? And if so, are most of the companies doing something about that or are they just sitting there and they talk, rah, 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 they clap their hands and they go back to the same crap they've been doing? That one. Because the leaders of these companies are full of shit. Because they didn't create the framework for innovation in their organization. They just want to point fingers and say, you need to be innovating better, yet the rules and the bonuses and the game is structured for not innovation. And the reason you got such a heavy head nod is people know that. Like they tell you to innovate, but then when you do anything outside the box, they put you right back in it. Is there anything that they can do? Companies that have five people, companies that have 5,000. What can they do? What are the first steps you think they can do to really activated without disrupting their current operation? The most practical answer I've ever given anybody on this is take 20% of your money, your energy, your organization, your people, and make it go rogue as fuck. Let them play, let it play, however you want to define it, with no rules, and then run your company with the 80% that left left over and build a good enough company that that 80% can afford for the 20% to be a negative ROI experience. Are there any companies out there doing it right? What number companies can you name that are doing it right? I don't know. Right. You know, the truth is, one of the biggest reasons when people ask me who's doing it right or who's doing it right on social media or, or which companies are doing it right, I don't know. You know, I don't know because I didn't look under the hood. You know, a lot of people think certain things are going great and they're not. You know, don't forget, Damon, you, and this is something I want a lot of the youngsters in this room to think about. If you're under 30, let's see, eight years. If you're under 32, you need to hear what I'm about to say. You've lived through a great economy every part of your professional career. It's been good now for the last eight or nine years. It just has, we've bounced back since 2009, 10, 11. We've only been growing. There's only been growth. Like, no matter what anybody says, that's what's happening. So I'm very concerned about the next bubble burst. Let's, let's talk about that. So I am not getting into politics. That's not what we're here for. We're here to talk about how we empower ourselves. But let's talk about this. Yes. Whether it, whether it is somebody gonna make this country great, Whoever it was going to be, whether it is I'm going to stay on welfare, whether yep. I'm going to go to a school. Let's talk about the fact that the number one job for males in this country is driving trucks, but when autonomous vehicles come around, you Uber drivers and males are going to be out of business. Let's talk about the number one job for females are secretaries and assistants, but virtual assistants are coming AI. around and they're going to be out of business. No matter who's making America great, and I'm 50 years old and I'm driving a truck and I'm gonna be happy because there's gonna be 11% growth in the next five years, then all of a sudden, bang, UPS, bang, American Express, Postal Service, Uber, automated, you're all fired. What am I gonna do then? Because I'm sitting here telling you that America's gonna be great and I'm gonna be good forever. Yeah, I mean, What's look, that, that's going political. Like anybody, anybody that thinks the President of the United States, whether it's Barack or Donald or Bernie or Hillary, is gonna help them, they're a fucking loser. Straight up. Absolutely. I promise you, you are. That means you need somebody. Like, so like whether, you're, whether your president is for minorities and females or your president is you know, for the 26-year-old white male that's got no skills, here's the punchline. The market is the market. 
What is the 54 year old gonna do? Adjust or lose. Right, but how do we how, how do we get that message out to say, you know what, you could probably drive a truck to your 55, you can program and tech and do those till you're 90. Talking to BMW, they said that they can't get enough kids to be uh, to be technicians because their theory is the old uh, the old the old mechanic with the big grease on his shirt. I was talking to the head of the heavy machinery operations, meaning crane operators. They said their jobs are empty for 15 months. These kids can go to school for one year, come out, make 150 thousand dollars, but yet they're going to a school. 50% of them will retire with a title of a job that doesn't exist today. They're staying in school for four years, half of them digital classes, they're leaving with $300,000 in debt and they still don't know how to operate anything. So how do we get the parents in this room to save that money? How do we get the kids in this room, well not the kids in this room, but who's gonna watch this online, to understand what they need to do and move ahead and not think a diploma is gonna save me, the president is gonna save me, welfare is gonna save me, or anything else, how do we, what happens then? What needs to happen? Carnage. <laughs> Carnage needs to happen. People are complacent. Here's most people's strategies in life. <gasps> I mean, I, I really have no passion for this conversation. Like, if you are not capable in 2017 to Google shit and figure out what's going on in the world, fuck you. <laughs> I'm being dead serious, by the way, I'm being really serious, like whatever that cliche statement of like the teacher comes when the student is ready, right? I believe in that thing, like, like I don't know, like I'm not, lots of things happen. Like lots of things happen in life, right? I woke up one morning and realized, you know what, this liquor shipping law is never gonna get better. There's dirty politician money, they're gonna keep paying this off and I'm not gonna spend the rest of my life worrying about what the right thing to do is and what's right. No, they're gonna keep paying off politicians state by state and because I'm the biggest, I'll always be picked on. So I adjusted, I started over. I started over. Like, I started over. Like this whole wine library thing and I got so lucky, guess what? I own 0% of wine library because it was under my father's name so I had no collateral to even start it. I started VaynerMedia by getting somebody to pay me $80,000 to do a marketing campaign and I built it. And so that's what's gonna happen and everybody has their version. Not everybody has my business talent to build billion dollar companies but if you're making 74,000 or 197,000 or whatever you're making and your market gets fucked, I don't see truck driver Johnny feeling bad for Rick the bookstore owner because Amazon came along. This, happen, this has happened forever. This is not the first time that innovation fucked shit up. Nobody's crying for the farmers in middle America. Nobody's crying for the people in Cleveland who own the docks. This is what always happens. So this is what's up now. And so what 55 year old Charles has to do when he is out of a job is get another job. Whatever that job is. So if Charles is smart and has skills He's teaching himself something now to be ready for three years from now. But Charles wants to watch football. But Charles wants to drink at the bar. So he needs to put his 20% into what's going on in the future. Mister, that's and, right. And bank that. You're damn right. I'm, I'm just, like, I, I want to stay on this for a second because this is massively important. No, it's very important. I talk, we talk to people every day and they just don't get it. And, and then they will lose. Like we have to start getting into meritocracy. Like somebody should lose if they're not seeing where the puck is going. If you're driving a truck today, you know it's coming. You've heard it, somebody told you. 
at a bus stop, at a truck stop, over dinner, somebody brought up this theory. So either you take it seriously and you start educating yourself or you don't. Like that's the game. Nobody's gonna fix that. Nobody can help you with that. That's life and that's the historic nature of human beings forever. So just because we're now living and it's our turn to go through something, this has always happened. Right. It's just happening faster, I think. <laughs> Great. Adjust. So let, let, let's let's switch down for a minute. So let's talk about social media because I, I think that um, I recommend your book always, um, jab 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 right hook. But you know, you and I are out at dinner, and I think that you said to me, "Well, I want to." You, you were doing Snapchat, then you want to Insta story this and that, and I said, "You know, most of us grew up with you know, be the you know, don't be a jack of all trades, be a master of one." And I want to kind of do this, and I and, and you reminded me kind of the Joker. You know, when he said in that Batman movie. I'm like a crazy dog chasing a car. I don't know what I would do when I get to it. You just move on, move on, move on. I said it before. You have way more influence on social media than I do. Obviously, you're doing something right. How, how do you pick which one to move on? Or you just keep going and it compounds on all platforms because they all come together somewhere. Just explain your theory because it, it's broken my theory of be the master of, of one and not a jack of all. I think I'm the master of attention. I'm just not romantic on a micro where it is. So I think I'm speaking the same language as you. I think my master isn't Facebook. My master craft isn't to tweet well. My master craft is to know where all your attention is and to be there and put out quality content that brings you value contextual to that platform. So my mastership is attention trading. And then we're looking at social media. Like you guys are gonna have a real brain twist if you've got me as the social media guy in 17 years. Cause I'm gonna be onto something else. Or not. I have no idea, but wherever your eyes and ears are, I'll be there. I, I've, I've gotten on the same stage with you a couple of times and you will, you will curse like a <laughs> sale, like really bad. <laughs> I will get on after you and I will say, yeah, she was pissed. And then they'll pull me aside and say, you know, you were pissed, like, <laughs> so. And I think, you know, listen, I don't ABC and yeah, like, of course. Disney, whatever, I have to be You're very fancy. careful and very respectful. Why do you, why do you believe, why do you, not do you have to believe, why do people buy that from you? And I understand this is keeping it real, but I mean, there's keeping it raw, right? Why do people accept that from you? And have you lost money because You of just that? beat me to it. Plenty of people don't accept it. I wish CAA was here right now. Zach, you here? No? Like, we've, I've lost tons of money. I just don't give a fuck. Okay, but I, I, here's what happened. If you think, here's, here's the truth. I've, I've never really clarified this. I wasn't a public speaker. I owned a liquor store in New Jersey. I was a businessman. I'm 32 years old before I ever took a stage. Like, I didn't know. Like, I wasn't a personality. This, is, was, this was not in the blueprint, okay? Um, what happened was I got invited to an internet conference. I'm like, okay, I'll do it. And who the heck knows what happened? They gave me the mic. I got up there. And the best way I can explain it is, in my formative years of growing up, I listened to an obnoxious amount of Richard Pryor, Chris Rock, and Eddie Murphy. And when I watch the way I give keynotes, I do think it's got a comedic timing delivery in the style of those characters. And so I guess that's what happened. And that's how you because, because of course, most people would say, listen, I'm dyslexic, I got left back, and I never graduated uh, high school. I, I, you know, my, my, my friends, they, they wrote the movie Belly about him. So trust me, I've cursed once or twice in my life. 
some people would say it's a limited vocabulary. Some people would say that you know what, it's it's uh, it's an inability to be articulate. Yeah. And you know, and we know you're a smart guy already. You come with the most important thing, which is common sense. You don't feel that any time you should adjust that. I already know the answer, but I just want to hear. No, I, I think if you're gifted with not worrying about anything else, you just roll. If you feel that I offended you, or that I'm crass, or that I'm not good, or what have you, that's your truth, and I apologize. It's so not gonna change, gonna change how I roll. I just wanna try one thing while I'm with you. Okay. Fuck. <laughs> How'd it feel? I felt good. Yeah, yeah. I like that, I like that. All right, so we're gonna open up, um, we're gonna open up to some live streaming really quick. We're gonna have a couple of questions from Twitter and then a couple from um, the people in the audience. Uh, so who will give me the questions? Awesome. Start with the audience first. Let's okay. do that. Yeah. I have two questions. Yep. We are just starting out. We are a lifestyle and clothing brand. We're about fitness for entrepreneurs. Muscles and minions? Millions. Millions. I want to make sure everybody heard it. Oh. Muscles and millions. Go ahead. Millions. So my question to you, Gary V, is uh, we saw, we noticed that you put a video up regarding hashtag uh, Biz Death Sunday. We sent the email. Can you uh, expand on that and how do we get you to uh, work with us and how do we get endorsements? Like what do we need to do? So. I, so I'll try to make this a learning moment for everybody. Thank you. You're welcome. So I think, you know, I'm a big fan of jab, 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 right hook. Um, I'm able to duck right hook, right hook, right hook, right hook. And so I think the biggest way for me to do things is when I feel like there's value in return. When you get to, I mean, I couldn't imagine what you're living through. I think the biggest way to get somebody who's got more leverage than you do is to disproportionately bring them value to even the score to make something happen. Can I yeah. DM, we DM you and I offered you tons of shirts and, and hats and stuff and you never responded. Right, <laughs> I'll tell you why. Because everybody did that. So now I'm here. And I'm All right, we gotta go into the next question. But I, 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 I think it's about bringing value. Your t-shirts bring me no value. Okay. So you need to figure out what brings me value and then you have a shot of executing. Yeah, so we always teach that it's really what's in it for the person you're pitching, um, no matter what you're pitching. I think tenacity is way more commoditized than people think. Exactly. There's a lot of people hustling. It's a value exchange game. The reason I've popped and have this fan base is there's a lot of people saying hustle. There's a lot of people putting out content. I'm disproportionately trying to bring more value in detail and motivation and effort and engagement and I, do, and I do answer a ton of DMs, but pfft, I answered DMs the entire six hour flight yesterday from Instagram. I didn't even get close, because I'm one dude, and nobody's replying as me, because that's not me. Nobody's replying as me. You ever get a wink or a hello or I can't wait to see you? That's me. When I, and I'll, I'll give you one last one before we go. When I used to have shirts like that and I couldn't get an artist to wear them, I would put the artist's crew and their name on it, and then I would send it to them and it was a collab with us and I would tell them take all the proceeds and I'll sell it to them, take all the proceeds and give it to your favorite charity. And when and he did it, would... and when he did it, the supply and demand of lifestyle brands was much lower. It was more expensive to do it, it was harder, he figured it out. The amount of people that have some fucking saying on a t-shirt right now <laughs> is unlimited. So you've got a real fucking challenge because the supply and demand of your game has gotten much worse. Good, do Next it. Next question. Both Gary and Damon, whichever one uh, wants to answer, but I work with a lot of young entrepreneurs through Venture for America. 
Uh, and um, the one issue is, I I'm curious how you guys judge when you're working on a new business or you're investing in a new founder, how do you know when to tell them to give up or how do you know yourself when to give up? Because you want to be consistent, you want to keep working and figuring it out. So what's your solution? I want to expand on that with, with that question for Gary. I want to know exactly that and I also want to know when you're working with them, what do you instill in them as well when they're on their path? So when you tell them to give up, now what do you say, you need to do this every day? So I think the key is to not be consistent. Because you can't give consistent feedback for everybody. Like I wanted to give feedback based on what I was feeling there, but I might feel something different here. The key is, I found that somebody is either impatient or too patient. And so that's always a key for me. Like some people are romantic, and some people are not romantic at all. And so I think I'm usually pushing in the other direction where they're over-indexing, because that usually tends to happen in the balance of what they need. Some people are just gonna hold on. So, you know, so I just did a show, right, with Apple. We were doing these apps, so I mentored people. It was a little bit different. We had to like, be like the voice, we had to coach them. This one girl just didn't want to hear it from me. I'm like, you're not gonna win. Like, it's, this is not gonna happen. I'm gonna be right or wrong, but I was pushing her to be, she was so romantic and in outer space, but she didn't want to let go, right? On the flip side, there was other people that were kind of rocky. I'm like, no, no, you got something, and pushed towards it. So the truth is, when I look at young entrepreneurs, I don't give blanket advice. I give individual advice of the moment of where they are and what their business is doing every t to really give advice. Have you had a business where you decided that you know what it's time to give up? This is not working. Like, what, what was that inflection point for you? Yeah, I mean, I you know I do a lot of side businesses. Like, I've only really run two core businesses: Wine Library and VaynerMedia. Those are the only ones I've ever really gone all in on. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've started side projects. I did a thing called Vayner Toys, where this whole eBay flip challenge I tried to do with buddies, like Cork, the wine social network. I have jumped off of businesses that I owned a big piece of, but I wasn't the operator. I haven't done it when I've been the operator. I've seen them through. Um, so I haven't had that exact, I'm the guy steering the ship, and I have to jump off. I haven't had that experience. But I also don't build businesses for anything other than forever. Biggest problem with a lot of people in here and the reason they will lose, the single reason they will lose, is from the day they start their business, they're building it to sell. They want the money. That's why they lose. Thanks. Um, so what do you think the future is of advertising and influencers? Between influencers coming in, what? Uh, recommendations would you have for young influencers in their different uh, markets? I think influencer marketing is gonna have an incredible golden era of a decade. I think we're in the beginning of it and I'm very fond of it. I think it's underpriced. I think the top is overpriced. So the people that moved quickest and have big audiences I think are overpriced because people think they're more valuable than they are. You gotta look at engagement. The amount of people have a million fans on Instagram but they don't really have a community, things like that. Um, but I'm a very, I mean word of mouth always worked. Right, right. So I'm, a, I'm very bullish. My, my recommendation is don't run around saying that you're an influencer. Think about how to bring value to your audience, create influence, and then monetize it. Just, again, we are living through the greatest era of you just put it on your profile and you think you're it. That's like me putting on my profile right now, basketball player. <laughs> cool, but I'm not getting paid by the Knicks, right? And so like, just saying you're an influencer, like the amount of counts that like, hit me up on DM, like, yo, I'm an influencer. I click and I'm like, you have 800 people following you. <laughs> yeah, but, I'm like, no, no, no. You're not an influencer, by definition of anybody's influence. You're an, so if you, if you have that in your profile, put a word in front of it, aspiring influencer. <laughs>
But it's a ve- I'm a very bullish on it. Great, I think great. it's underpriced right now. I also see, because it's human beings, a scenario where in two or three years it's gonna be grossly overpriced. You just have to follow the market. Right now it's underpriced. Right. All right, we're gonna take one more from the, from the in-house audience. Ted. Thanks. Uh, my question is scalability in regards to people. Yes, right. so tough. That's my pain point right now. We've gone a great almost nine years now and we've hit a spot. I can't find good people. You invest in people and that's one of your things. Are you the decision maker? Yes. I think that's your- A lot of agencies as well. I think that's your- Yeah, okay. You acquire great people just because that I work with. Okay. That's my pain point. So what do you do? Because none of the sites work. Yeah, I agree. It's networking. How many people do you interview for every person that you hire? What's the rough number you think? At least 10 to 12. So it sounds like you're just gonna have a funnel problem because that's not that bad. Yeah. I, I, so here's my Take answer. Take desk a blueprint, you'll find people here, trust me. <laughs> I love the hustle. I really, think, I really think that people's flaw is, so one of the reasons I think we've been successful is I'm not crippled by hiring. I focus on firing. So I think way too many people are fancy and think that they're so good at hiring Everybody's got this dream that they're so good at hiring. I think I have unbelievable EQ skills and people intuition. I think it's actually all I've got and I've mishired a ton. So I think too many people are fancy and they're hiring. They have this bullshit self-esteem within themselves that they're good at it. So my answer to you is to, if your number's one out of 12 and you can't get more in, I would just hire three out of 12. Because I think people will surprise you. My model is more of vainer gets the most out of you, and thus, if you're a B, you'll be a B plus with me. I'm also not crippled. You know, I think you need Bs and Cs, and like, you know, I love when people, my friends are like, how do you get your employees to care as much as you? I'm like, I don't. The fuck should an employee care as much as I do? It's my business. They need to care about their life. Do you bring in the Bs and Cs and make the maze? Sometimes, and so, sometimes so I think they're- my staff thought as the interns at one time or another, or, and in college, of course. Um, and, and I, don't, I don't look for the perfect person in the door. I want them to come in and fit in a perfect way. But they're gonna come in with their flaws. That's what I find. But. I would say that also everybody's definition of an A is different. You know, I would just be more optimistic. I mean that. It's, it's a funny little switch of optimism versus cynicism and pessimism on the hiring front that could really work for you. And I think then it puts pressure on you to be better. You know, I know that I'm have less of a filter in, which puts pressure on us to be better at giving them opportunity to succeed. Plus, once they're in, we spend most of the first three to six months auditing them and then reverse engineering them and putting them in the best position to succeed because not everybody does everything well. I genuinely believe that I work for everybody that works for me, not the other way around. We're gonna take two questions from live streaming. Yep, so if people still have questions, uh, use the hashtag blueprint Gary V. that's Gary V E. Two B's. Um, so I'm so good at branding, I created my username to be two silent fucking E's. <laughs> Eric Davis asks, is there a long Eric term- Davis, like the, the Cincinnati Reds phenomenal baseball player? Not that Eric. Got it. <laughs> uh, is there a long term downside to moving too fast? Is there a balance of being aggressive and respectful? Again, the biggest fear I have right now is that we are in the greatest era of blanket advice. Like it's just general advice, like I have to move fast. Like everybody tells me like Vayner was not gonna be successful if I moved too fast. They were wrong. 
because I'm fast. I like action. Like when I walk through Vayner's office, if it's quiet, I freak out. I like tell people like play music. Like I'm, I need the action. I need to go fast and I'm a good enough salesperson to compensate for the overhead and I can stay ahead of it. I think you grow as fast as you're capable, right? And I think that that person, Eric Davis needs to know how good he is um, to grow as fast as, of course, there's, oh, listen, everything doesn't work and everything works. Let's play out the scenario. I grew too fast, I couldn't afford my staff, I had to cut people, then people got scared that we weren't stable, they quit and my shit got fucked up. That's scary of going too fast. Let me tell you what happens way more often. 90% of this room is going too slow and has left tons of money on the table, but they don't know it because it's hidden. People are scared of the hidden and they're safe on the black and white. It's obvious if you went too fast and you broke and you had to let people go. It's not obvious to anybody if you're doing a million but you should be doing three million but you're going too slow. People are scared because they care about what other people think. Next question, very cool. All right, we have Paula Wolf. What's the most effective way to market a small business who are on a budget? Doing stuff that doesn't cost money. So Wine Library, first year, $14,000 marketing budget. I printed shit on my computer and went to the Short Hills Mall and put it on people's wind, like, you know the flyers on your fucking windshield? Like ghetto shit. I wish I had fucking social media. (laughs) You like that, right? Like it was just like, you do what you can, I mean I love when everybody's like, well it's easy for you. It wasn't always. You know, like it wasn't always. Like you weren't with me when I was in my house printing on that slow ass computer, you know, 20% off a case of wine and then I grabbed the whole thing and then I fucking woke up at 6 a.m. and went to the Short Hills Mall and just went and put that on the flyer. You weren't with me. We're fancy. We're fancy because it's been good for eight years. I'm telling you right now, look yourself in the mirror. If you have ambitions to win, you're fancy. You're fancy. People think things are below them. I still don't think things are below me. Like nothing is below me, I'll do anything. People got fancy, you wanna play the part of entrepreneur. You can act all you want, the market's coming. Wait till there's no VC money. Wait till you actually have to make money. Stop comparing uh, everybody's sizzle reel to your blooper reel, everybody's going through the same stuff. So you have to exercise the power broke no matter, if, the people I know exercise the power broke more than anybody else are the people that have money. Hundred percent. All the all the lines that you know my partners and I put out after we were already established. Instead of going in uh, a normal clothing line, would take about one hundred and twenty days and about fifty thousand dollars to create the entire product line. I'd go to Ralph Lauren, rip the label off of here, sew some embroidered crap on it, the name, pay somebody twenty five hundred, put in a video, and sit there and watch it. The phone's gonna ring. Phone rings. All right, make some make some more shirts. And I save time, I save energy, and I save the cost. And the hustle never stops when we're talking about that. You have to think OPM is other people's money. No, it's other people's manufacturing, mind power, marketing, mentors, and making money of other people's mistakes. I want everybody to give it up for Gary B. Thank you, Gary, for having me. And now being here with us, I appreciate it. Let's get the fuck up out of here. Use those words now. Thank you. Hey, man. Great. Thank you. I still want to talk about fancy. Oh wait, let's talk about fancy. Can we stay another minute? Can we stay on the, I'm not, I'm not fulfilled yet. 
on, on this, I mean this. I don't know, Tyler, how am I doing? We're doing right? Yana's in the crowd, right? She's somewhere here? Yana. Um, we're fancy. We have, to, we have to have this conversation in this space. Like, we've got it, every entrepreneur in here has it so much better. It's called the internet at scale. So many things are easier than what we came up with. Right, you can DM the person and maybe get to them. I'm, I, I just, I, I want you guys to win, which is why I talk about this. Like when the money dries up, when the economy gets tighter, all of this goes away and the majority of this market right now is on, you know, on, on bubble gum and dreams and like, you, you've gotta know how to make money. Like you have to have a business. Your product has to bring value. Like the tried and true is the only thing that's gonna make you successful. People running around here trying to raise money. Oh, I can't get raised money because I didn't go to that kind of school. Or they don't, I don't get, I can't raise money because I didn't come from that kind of neighborhood. Don't raise money. Make money. Doesn't take a hero to give up a piece of their business. Make it. So should you, so all the balls to the wall concept, should you quit your day job or not? I think you have to be practical and hungry. Like, you should not quit your day job if you've got crazy compounding interest on your student loans or you've gotta pay your mortgage. But what you shouldn't do is have that job, talk shit that you're gonna build some big business one day, and then at six o'clock at night, not work. Like, you need to go to sleep at 3 a.m. Like, you need to back your fucking mouth up. Everybody's talking shit. Everybody's talking shit. Everybody's talking shit. Everybody loves to hit me up. Gary Vee hustling. I look at their account and they're like playing ping pong at 4.30. <laughs> like people don't understand what hustle is. I took one vacation in my 20s. But I have crazy aspiration. You should take 11. But don't come telling me you're gonna buy the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And so like the first thing is figure out who you are and what you want and then deploy real self-awareness But I'm telling you, the thing that I'm fearful of and the reason I didn't step off stage yet is it's been so good for almost a decade. This has been easy. There's so much money out there. Everybody's getting money for their dumb ideas that make no money. And if you're not, then you should really even question that. Like if you haven't been able to raise money, you really fucking suck. (laughs) Because the market is ridiculously ridiculous. Like terrible. Like people are getting funded for everything. So if you haven't been able to figure out how to get money, you're a triple loser. So the way to answer that and punch me in the face and tell me that you're not is go make money instead of dwelling why you haven't raised it. I promise you something about money. Money's real funny, real funny. Money doesn't care what you look like. You may think it does, but that's your fucking excuse. Money wants to make money. If it's, I'll give a Patriots fan money, that's how much I want to make money. <laughs> you understand? You can say anything you want about you don't look the part, white woman, black woman, not from this country, money wants to make money. So if you're not getting it, you suck. So then go make it instead of dwelling that the old white guy in VC land's not giving me any money. It's because your shit sucks. And so the only way you can prove me wrong is to go execute.